It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Elling. Coming up on episode number 22 of Sports Day Plus. At 6.15, it is the first of a three-segment chat with comedian Sean Patton ahead of his headlining shows at the Creek in the Cave this weekend. And a mere seconds, I'm talking Longhorn football with Justin Wells of Inside Texas. I am your host, Trey Elling. You can give me a follow on Twitter at Courtesy Wave and do the same for ESPN Austin at 1027 ESPN. Justin Wells covers Longhorn football recruiting and more for InsideTexas.com and the On Texas Football YouTube channel. And he joins me every Wednesday, normally starting at 6.15. Today, it's starting the show off to talk uh, about the latest Longhorns victory and what lies ahead. Justin, thank you as always for the time. How are you doing today? Man, we're close to Turkey Day, Trey. And so uh, all I know is we've got Cowboys, Redskins, we've got Longhorns, Red Raiders, and then uh, all that in between. So I'm ready for some food and football and a nap. What about you, brother? (laughs) Yeah, the nap is going to be crucial, especially after I go complete fat kid on the Thanksgiving spread tomorrow. What is is the thing on that, uh, that spread that you look forward to eating the most? I'm a turkey guy, just like anybody yeah. else. Big mashed potatoes guy, just like anybody else. I do like a green bean casserole when it's done the right way. And man, buttermilk pie. I used to absolutely love it, and I still do, but it's so sweet and it's so rich that I've kind of changed my taste buds a little bit to something a little easier on me. Give me some good bird. Give me some mashed potatoes. Give me some rolls, hot, fresh rolls and a buttermilk pie and probably some unsweet iced tea. Oh, man, you just made my mouth water. I cannot wait for tomorrow. Prior to that, though, uh, we do need to talk a little bit about Texas win over Iowa State. Maybe a little bit too close for comfort at halftime, but ultimately the Longhorns are able to pull away. And let's be honest, I mean, a couple of penalties kept this from being a blowout in the earlier stages as well. Not going to dwell too much on this, though, Justin, but how great was it to see Jordan Whittington, a guy who was given his all for this program, get some individual accolades in the game last Saturday, specifically that touchdown catch and also another huge catch that extended a Longhorns drive earlier on. Every catch Jordan Whittington made against Iowa State was important. Every play he made against the Cyclones last Saturday was important, and and that's fitting for the super senior. There's not a guy on the Texas roster you should root for harder. Jordan Whittington has been through hell and back, and he kept a smile the entire time, and I think he deserves a ton of credit for that. He is a guy that every program needs. You need a guy like a Jordan Winnington, a guy that's been open this year, Trey. They have they, there have been plenty of plays that the balls have gone to Worthy and Mitchell and and Sanders and and back and, and you know tailbacks out of the backfield and Worthy, you know, not always the first or second read. Well, Quinn Ewers made sure that that was different uh, uh, last weekend, and and I think honestly, I think he was the key. You know, with the de- the defensive line of Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy, of course, but I think Whittington was the key actually on offense to that victory. And it's just, like I said, it, it's hard not to root for that kid. He's done it all. He's been everywhere. He's he's seen the good. He's seen the bad. And now, hopefully, he gets to uh to to see a little bit more if they beat Texas Tech on Friday in a Big Twelve championship in uh, in Arlington. That's right. The Longhorns and Red Raiders square off Friday night at DKR, 7 o'clock kickoff. 
Uh, Texas heavily favored in this one, as they should be. Texas Tech has been very mediocre this year. They have uh, underachieved in terms of what was thought of them in the preseason. Uh, For you as somebody who uh, knows a fair amount about this Texas Tech roster, you have relationships with certain guys, coaches as well. Is there a most concerning thing about Texas Tech for you right now heading into this matchup? Texas Tech is playing better football over the last couple months. I think they had a rough, rocky start to the season. I know the Wyoming loss kind of knocked them down, but they competed with a good Oregon team. They played Oregon really well, and I think they found a quarterback in Baron Morton. I think he was – I remember him as a recruit. I mean, he was always a really, really good – he was always a a talented guy. I think Tech is is better. I, I think they're better than they were at the beginning of the year. And honestly, if Joey McGuire doesn't talk as much as he talks in the offseason, I probably feel like this is a closer game. Hmm. I, I really do. I think it would have been a, a tit-for-tat kind of deal. But uh, McGuire's words this this offseason have really, you know, I don't want to say they're the self-motivator because Texas really does their own self-motivating. But like Iowa State, you, you say something and you put it on the bulletin board and all it does is add a little, add a little bit to it, add a little bit of edge to it. The best thing about Friday isn't the fact that Joey is is run his mouth so much. It's that I like that the Big 12 still can't figure out what's the Big 12 championship scenario. And so Texas doesn't have a guarantee in that title game. I like that they have to beat Tech to get to that title game. I think some of the luster would have been taken off of the game on Friday if they had already been, you know, already had a seed in, in, in the final game. Um it's going to be a good – I think it'll be a good game for a while, but I feel like this is a game where Sark unloads the clip. I think they are going to run the score up. And for a number of reasons, obviously Tech running their mouths as much as they've done. But also, there's a there, there, there's a thing now with the committee where they're looking at like wins. Yep. And, and, and like, at same opponents. Tech lost to Oregon by seven, and Oregon is one spot ahead of the Longhorns in the, in the college football playoff rankings. You go, you put 21 or 28, on, on, you know, 21-point win, 28-point win against Tech on Friday, that gives Texas some ammunition to jump Oregon. Now, granted, they've got Oregon State, number 11 team in the country, and I think they've lost to them two of the last three years. So if they beat Oregon State, that's obviously going to boost their resume. But you know what? It's one of those things where, you know, they have an opportunity to to have some style points on Friday night. And it's the last Big 12 game, buddy. It's the last time they're going to play Texas Tech for a long time. And I know they want to leave a nice little memory and taste in in the Red Raiders' mouth when they head back to Lubbock. I I, I think the matchups here really favor Texas. Listen, Tech can run the ball. Taj Brooks is a bowling ball of knives. I remember him at Maynard, you know, from Central Texas. He was a great tailback. Him and Jade Barron are actually good friends. Hmm. And so containing him is going to be big. But I don't worry about anybody's rush attack because yeah. I see the defensive line. I see that they're one of the top five, top ten units in the country. They're one of the best at, 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 at keeping the rush low. I don't think an opponent just rushed for 100 yards in the last five or six games, Trey. And if you can't run the ball on Texas, you don't beat Texas. It's pretty much as simple as that. And so um, I, I think Tech will make it interesting early, but I also feel like Sark's going to just really unload the clip. And, and basically, uh, I, I could see this thing becoming a big blowout. 
Yeah, he needs to. And uh, for, for the reasons you just listed, I didn't even think about common opponents, but that makes a lot of sense as well. When this weekend's all said and done, just, Justin, do you think it's Texas versus Oklahoma State for the Big 12 championship at Jerry World the following weekend? I really do. I really do. I mean, Oklahoma State, before the last two weeks, I thought, that's that's your other team. That's the other great team in the Big 12. They're playing a great season. Ollie Gordon, who I watched in high school at Eulish Trinity, has turned into a monster and probably going to snake the Doak, Doak Walker Award from Jonathan Brooks because of his injury. Yep. Uh, I still think it's going to be Oklahoma State. But which Oklahoma State? <laughs> Is it going to be the one we've seen the last two weeks? Because the one against Houston didn't look great, but they did enough to win. And the one against Central Florida didn't even resemble a Mike Gundy team. I don't know if I've ever seen Oklahoma a Mike Gundy team blown out like that before. I mean, that was bad. That was bizarre. It just, kind of, it just snowballed on them. And so – uh, I like Oklahoma State, but I, it's just going to depend on how they play. I think they play Saturday, and it's just going to depend on kind of how what they look like going into to that game. And so, but but at the end of the day, yeah, that's my prediction: Texas and, and Oklahoma State and Arlington for the Big Twelve title next next Saturday. And Joe Cook and I, if that's the case, will will be in attendance. All right. It is a quickie this week with Justin, but he is a busy, busy man this time of year. We will uh, return to the two-segment format next Wednesday. In the meantime, Justin, thank you as always for the time. Check him out, Inside Texas, InsideTexas.com, the On Texas Football YouTube channel, at JustinWells2424 on Twitter, and this very show Wednesdays, usually for two segments starting at 6.15. Have a great holiday, my friend, and we'll be in touch next week. Hey, nothing but love, brother. Enjoy your turkey day and and, and and all the best to you and your family. Coming up, it is the first of a three-segment chat with comedian Sean Patton ahead of his headlining shows at the Creek in the Cave this weekend. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellie. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellie. Sean Patton is a longtime stand-up comedian who is bringing his talents to Austin this weekend. He's headlining shows at the Creek in the Cave on Friday and Saturday night. Two shows each night. For more info and to snag tickets, you can go to his website, meshawnpatton.com. It's where you can see some of his most recent stand-up specials. His most recent one is actually through Paramount Plus. You need a subscription for that, but it is well worth the price of admission. Or just check Sean out in person this weekend at the Creek in the Cave. Sean, thank you so much for the time. How are you doing today? I am alive and well and awake. Um, I'm doing great, man. Thank you for having me. I'm really This, this is going to be fun. There are a couple of stand-up meccas on this planet, and the Comedy Cellar is certainly in that category. What is it like to to get to go to the Comedy Cellar on a regular basis and stand up and make uh, an expectant crowd laugh like you were able to? Uh, it's pretty wild. I mean, it's one of those definitely don't take it for granted situations. Right? I think every everybody takes everything for granted. That's just a given. But like, uh, you got it's so cool. Like you go on stage. There's always audience, you know, people come from around the world to go to that place. So getting to do it is awesome. You know what I mean? And like pat yourself on the back, pinch yourself a little bit. It's also, you know, uh, like, like, like professional sports, highly competitive, even if you're trying not to be competitive, like you're still like, you know, everyone is going on stage, giving their a game at any given moment, you know, someone like, uh, uh Chappelle or, a you know, I, I, I am trying to think of a bigger name than Dave Chappelle right now, but you know what I mean? Like that level 
will just drop in and you, you got to go up after them. You know, that's, and that's like a, and there, and there's no room for like sympathy or getting like, Oh man, do I really have to? And you're just expected like, yeah. Uh, you know, this person's going to go on stage and the crowd's going to go absolutely ape, just going to go nuts. And then you're going to go out after and try and have that same set. You know, it's crazy, but it's awesome. I love it. I love that. I think everybody does secretly. You love that like little tinge of pressure, but it's great, man. It's it's an awesome, it's awesome. It's one of those things where iron sharpens iron, right? Where uh, if you are around greatness, it forces you to, to come with your A game because otherwise you're going to get lost in the wash. True, 100% true. And, you know, you start to, you start to appreciate those moments, moments, what the moments. That's a moment, a Mormon moment. Uh, <laughs> it's 90 seconds long because there's what? No electricity. No, uh, you start to appreciate those moments more. Because especially the longer you're doing this, because you realize like you get through those good. There's really nothing else that can, nothing else that can harm you. You know what I mean? Like it's pretty awesome. Maybe that's a good alternate name for us for soaking, which I'm trying to figure out whether that is an urban myth or an actual real thing in Mormon culture. You know, I I would be I'd be willing to. I mean, I don't think it's just in Mormon culture. I think it's in like teenage in teenage culture. You know, I bet I bet everyone everyone's tried it at some point, not realizing they were doing it. You know, there's probably been rules like if you don't, if you don't repeat, if you just do it once, it's okay. I mean, I grew up, I was raised Catholic. We all have that guilty, you know, I'm, the moment I lost my virginity, I remember the next day being like, wow, so I'm, so this is what it's going to be like going to hell, huh? Oh, well, you know, oh, so this is what it's like being a heathen. That's cool. I guess I'll, guess that's me now. But yeah, like it's, it's soaking. <laughs> That's that's I'm, now I that now I, that's all I'm doing going forward, you know. <laughs> that's it now. I'm I'm considering me a soaker now. Well, you know? I was at a Texas Longhorn football game a few weeks ago. They were playing BYU, and so there were some of the you know there were BYU fans in the crowd, but there were also the uh, the button down short sleeve shirts tie wearing Mormons that were there. So we called them over at one point because I have a hard time believing. And uh, they were very embarrassed when I pulled them over to ask about it. I think they thought that I was uh, maybe going to see if they would uh, tell me about the gospel. And uh, they got away pretty quickly. But I also wasn't completely convinced that soaking wasn't a thing, Sean. I think their embarrassment tells me it's definitely a thing. Tells me it's like, how do they know? If they're true Mormons, they're not online, right? They're not on social media. They don't know it's that they don't know that all these sites are a buzz with the concept of, so they'd have no clue that anyone knew about it. So you calling them over to be like, is it real? They're like, how does he know we've got to get back to HQ and <laughs> shut this down? You know, Speaking of heathenism, you were a part of uh, Burt Kreischer's, I think you were on the fully loaded tour on land, but you were also a part of the fu- fully loaded tour at sea. And it begets yeah. one of the great, injury stories of all time. I don't want to celebrate serious injury, but you are dealing with a torn Achilles right now. And I don't know if there's a better way to tear your Achilles than how you did so. So how did you hurt hurt your Achilles within the last couple of weeks out at sea? So I couldn't do the fully loaded on land. He asked me to do it earlier this year, but I couldn't do it. I had prior, I had another commitment and it was, you know, but then he was like, well, you want to come on the boat at the later in the year? And I was like, yes. (laughs) Cause I mean, if you've ever been on a cruise ship before, like it can be crazy, but if you go under the right circumstances, it's awesome. And if you go with the right people, it's an awesome time. And going on a cruise with, you know, 15 other comedians who I love and to be around comedy fans the whole time was pretty great. But every night, the night would kind of end with this massive karaoke jam and it would go on 
for hours and we were all encouraged to do it. You know, like we weren't, you know, forced to do it, but they were just like, Hey guys, if you know, cause it'd be a, a bunch of people, just people on the ship are doing it. And some, you know, how karaoke is like some people get up and you're like, wow, they really nailed that. And then some people get up there and you're like, wow, they really, whatever the opposite of nailing it is, they really pulled the nails out of that board. They really soaked um, so like the bed. The, yeah, exactly. They're just soaking it with this audience, and this audience is wishing they would pump a little more. But <laughs> and that was and that wasn't just other people on the boat. It was some some other comedians got up there and whipped it. You know, at one point it was the la- it was the last night of the cruise, and you know the energy people had been partying, and they got on this cruise ship. They were there for it. Two thousand people. They were there for it. They went to you know all the shows were full, all the audiences were honed in paying attentive. They'd been drinking all day. Some of them were waxed out of their minds and they were still like able to focus. It was impressive. It was so impressive that it's also proof that you, if you're, even if you're too drunk to watch comedy, you can do it. You can do it. I've seen it. I've seen people do it on a ship that was rocking in the middle of the freaking South Atlantic. So <laughs> it's possible. So I don't want like, any more of this. I'm wasted and can't I'm, shut up. You can do it. I've seen it. But anyway, um, <laughs> It was the last night. It was probably two in the morning. They only had a couple more people going on. And one of the producers of the karaoke thing was like, hey, go on, go do a song. And I was like, all right, but if I'm going to do it, I want to order off menu. I don't want to just, you know, pick one of these songs from the book, the karaoke book. They're like, can you find this song? Incubus, Animali, which it's Anomaly. It's that's the name of the song, but it's a pun. It's the name Animali. It's just a song that had been stuck in my head for two weeks. And I like it. I think Incubus is great. So they found it. I was like, let's do it. And I even got on stage and was like, some of you probably have no clue what this song is. And then the title comes on behind me and I like half the audience loses it. It goes, ah, it goes crazy. So I just committed. I just went full commitment level. I can't sing at all. My voice was also blown out from a week of shouting on stage and during events and drinking. And, but I committed and I'm bouncing around, jumping, oh, what's that? Kind of like that. Just. <laughs> going nuts, swinging my hair around, you know, one man mosh pit on stage, just fully into the song. And I feel a pop. You've heard athletes say this a lot. You know, you feel it. You can also hear it. That's the interesting part. And I know there's music blaring and you're shouting, but it's in your body. It's it's inside of you. So you also hear like a, huh, I'll deal with that in 92 seconds once the song's over. And then like I hit the bridge of the song where it gets a little slow. The audience is with me. I'm like, Let's do it. And then I finish off the song. And I even said it at the end of the set where I'm like, I'm pretty sure I just tore my calf because it felt like it was in my calf. And I limp off stage, you know, the whole area where the comics are and like Norman's there and Bert's there and, you know, Giannis and Captain Black, they're all there. And I'm like, guys, I'm pretty sure I just tore my calf muscle. And I tried walking a little bit and my calf was just tensed up. And I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what just happened. And we all go up to Bert's like private area which every cruise ship has one of these by the way like a super penthouse there's only one or two on the ship but like you walk in and it's like a three-bedroom two-bathroom apartment with a private deck and a private hot tub and a private viewing deck up a little set of circular stairs where you could be at the very top of the ship looking out for ice you know icebergs or whatever (laughs) not not really if there's icebergs in the south atlantic we went through a portal in the bermuda triangle but no and we're all up there hanging out, having cigars, having drinks. I'm like, yeah, I can't. It's stiff. And then the next day when I got off the ship, it was like, yeah, it's still pretty stiff. I can't. I'm limping. And then I get to Minneapolis where I'm doing shows at this place, Acme Comedy Club, one of the best clubs out there. 
and I'm limping around for the next four days, like in pain, but trying to like mitigate that, trying not to walk, trying to keep it elevated and rested when I'm not on stage. And then I get back to New York and I get on a zoom call with a doctor and basically just tell him everything that's going on. And he's like, can I see it? You know, there's no swelling, there's no bruising. And I, he's like, tell me in detail what happened. And I do. And he's like, okay, the fact that you were able to even consider singing, continuing to sing a song and that you didn't drop to the ground in, in excruciating pain, that tells me you didn't rupture it. Because mm-hmm. if you'd have ruptured the Achilles fully, the last thing on your mind would have been finishing a song. You'd have been screaming still, but not lyrics kind of thing. And uh, he's like, you know, think of that Aaron Rodgers injury where he just kind of knew and yep. just kind of like dropped right back to the turf because he knew like, yep, that's that's a bad one. I was able to like walk around and limp. So like we he just he deduced like it sounds like a partially torn Achilles surgery. But if you don't want to do surgery, you're just going to be limping around for another six weeks. Just don't re-injure it. And I'm like, yeah, I guess that's the rest of my year. So if you see me and I'm just limping around, don't don't be a jerk. Yeah, don't, but yeah. During karaoke, I commit, okay? Yes, most other athletes do it winning a game or getting sacked or, you know, like trying to trying to shake off a defender. Not me. I was shaking off boredom, I guess, or <laughs> incubus. If you're out there, if you're listening to this, if you're a fan of this podcast, I did it for you guys. That's right. Paying tribute to one of the underrated rock bands of the late 90s and early 2000s. He is stand-up comedian Sean Patton joining me for a handful of segments ahead of his headlining shows at the Creek in the Cave here in Austin this weekend. Two shows on Friday, two shows on Saturday. You can find out more info and snack tickets through Sean's website, MeSeanPatton.com. Coming up, segment two of three with Sean on the other side. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellis. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellie. Back with stand-up comedian Sean Patton for segment two of three ahead of his headlining shows here in Austin this weekend at the Creek and the Cave. He is headlining Friday and Saturday night, two shows each night. You can snag yourself tickets at Sean's website, meseanpatton.com. Again, Friday, Saturday night, Creek in the Cave, two shows each night. And Sean, looking at you on video right now, I see you wearing that Pelicans hat. I also know you're a Saints fan, and that is because you are a native of New Orleans. Now, I spoke with uh, Mark right. Norman a while back, and I was surprised to learn yeah. that he was a New Orleans guy, too. I know y'all were on the uh, the cruise ship together a few weeks ago. Yeah. Did y'all actually come up in comedy together in New Orleans before moving together or separately to New York? No, I mean, I met Mark right before I moved to New, uh, New York. Mar- okay. Mark and I, basically, Mark uh, started, Mark started after I did. He's from, like, I always say this to New Yorkers so that they can understand. Mark's from like the East Village of New Orleans, and I'm from like the Staten Island of New Orleans. Oh, is you know, that right? New- because didn't he uh, yeah. didn't he go to a, a predominantly black high school? I mean, he, he, no, he went to uh, he went to a predominantly he went to De La Salle, which is like in New- it's a very you know uh, eclectic high school for sure. But okay. It's, but that's also New Orleans. Like, yeah, there are predominantly black high schools and predominantly white high schools for sure. But like, New Orleans does. There, there are a lot of just like diverse areas. Like this area I'm in right now. I'm in what's called Bayou St. John, where like you can go three blocks in either direction, and there's black families, there's white families. It's, it, New Orleans does 
do the melting pot thing uh, better than most cities in certain neighborhoods and so other neighborhoods, not so much, but you know what I mean? Like, but yeah, Mark, uh, he, he went to a good high school he, across. He, uh, he went to a high school down the street from Newman where both, you know, all, all the, all the Mannings and Odell, yeah. Bel- uh, Odell Beckham Jr. went and probably some future uh, uh, professional athletes right now go, you know what I mean? So, yeah, you know, that's a good point about New Orleans. I went to New Orleans for like a six-year, six to seven-year stretch going to Mardi Gras every yeah. year. And one of the most fun times I had during that yeah. stretch was going to a casino near the Magnolia Projects to watch a Roy Jones Jr. fight when he went up to heavyweight to fight John Ruiz. And it was an wow. absolute freaking blast, man. And, you know, one oh, of the yeah. keys is oh, not yeah. being a complete jackass, you know, regardless of uh, regardless of the situation. If you are enjoying yourself and being good to others, they're going to be good to you, too, in New Orleans. Well, I say that about any city. Like True. any city is dangerous if you're a dumbass. You know, it's as simple as expressing those basic courtesies to one another. And that's something that mm-hmm. I am harping on with stand-up comedy right now. Like stand-up sure. comedy is going through a, a real heyday, like a, a renaissance, if you will, where it's uh, being yeah. embraced by a lot of people and a lot of new yeah. fans to the art form too, right? But with that comes the inexperience of knowing how to conduct yourself at a comedy right. club, Sean. And so I have my sure. ideas for what some of the unwritten rules of comedy clubs are for people watching stand-ups. For instance, don't mystery science theater, somebody set. People pay to hear that person. <laughs> they a, didn't pay to hear you. To Ca- yeah. Clap when you're supposed to clap. Laugh when you're cl- supposed to laugh. And otherwise, shut the F up. So for you as somebody's on stage, what is something else, maybe an, another unwritten rule that, uh, that the crowd needs to abide by when they're watching comedy? The one that I wish more people would abide by is open your mind up like hmm. like because the what's going on in stand-up specifically right now uh is what i think happened to music like in the 90s whereas you know there but prior to the 90s you didn't have a bunch of indie bands and you didn't have a bunch of bands that like you know could tour without being household names you know and then all of a sudden the 90s more independent labels started popping up more types of music started popping up and now you've got bands that can tour the world selling out thousand seaters in hundreds of different cities that you or I have never even heard of. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that bands have niche fame now. Yes, there are the Taylor, the Taylor Swift's of the world. Yeah, of course. But you know, then there's also like the Regina Spectres of the world. So it's like, uh, I think that's happening with comedy right now. And what that brings with it is a larger audience that maybe doesn't actually get what they're there to do. And, some, you know, because with all the clip culture and I get it, man, like you got to do what you got to do to get eyes on you so that you can, you know, sustain a career. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. But that does sort of uh, encourage a very negative thing to me, which is audiences that show up expecting to become part of the show. Right. And the problem with that audience member is their mind is shut is a steel trap. They are waiting for you to acknowledge them. They're waiting for you to ask them where they're from, what they do, how long they've been together. They already have answers in their head. They already have these things that they think are hilarious that they're just going to wait to say to you so that they can become part of the clip. And in my opinion, yes, there are comedians out there who that's what they want. And they're very good at dealing with that and very good at making it funny. But then there are a lot of comedians like myself who, I guarantee whatever I've written is more interesting than the interaction we're going to have. And that's not an insult. That's not a dig. It's just that I've spent hours upon hours upon hours doing it in front of 
many, many, many different people in many different countries in some situations, I guarantee it's going to be. And, and that's my one rule. I wish more audiences would abide by because, but because comedy is so popular right now, you get like music, you get people who show up. They want to hear pop. They want to hear pop comedy. They want to hear that not realizing, Oh, maybe this is a little more indie style grunge sort of, you know, screamo, you know, different types of, this is more hip hop. There's more, you know, it's like, so I tell any audience member, like do your research because the days of just showing up and expecting a comedian to no comedian is for everyone. No. no comedian should be for everyone. You know what I mean? Like every comedian should be specific to who they are, what they find funny, their sense of humor. So do your research. It's not like 25 years ago in the nineties. I imagine I wasn't doing stand up yet then, but like where you just showed up and the comedian was an unknown and you just kind of hope for the best. Now with the internet, you could do it right there while you're waiting in line, you know, just look the person up, watch a couple clips, see if you're into it. If you are into it, show up and open your mind up, be on their turf. I guarantee if you allow yourself to be on the comedian's rules and the comedian understands that and is giving you their 100% best effort, you will have an amazing time. And if they don't talk to you, they don't talk to you, you know, cause I've heard that. I've heard this a disturbing amount of times, get off stage, hanging out at the bar. Someone comes over and goes, Oh, we really liked your show. Wish you would have talked to us more or, Oh man, uh, really funny. I'm a, I'm a fan of yours, but you, I, I was sitting right there. We made eye contact. You never, you never talked to me. I was really hoping you would. And it's like, why, you know, why? What were you going to do? You were wearing a goofy hat. You wanted me to comment on the hat. Then what? You know, you uh, anyway. So I appreciate that you appreciate that. But also, yeah, if treat it like treat it like you're watching a one person play until they engage with you. And I guarantee it's going to be more interesting. You're going to enjoy yourself more. You might even learn something. That's, you know, that's that's the key. Yeah. That's the key. The stand up needs to initiate with you. It's so interesting to think about what you just said yeah. because a lot of comedians in an effort not to burn material by posting it to Instagram or wherever else end up yeah. posting a lot more crowd work clips and that may work against them to somebody who doesn't know any better and wants to be part of that clip in the future. That that is such a great point. Well, also like and I mean this is not a dig at anyone because again, I don't I don't like to talk about anybody who does this well like it's like you know people have different styles people go about this in different ways like there are comedians out there who are very successful who I maybe just aren't for me you know what they do I'm just like yeah it's just not not for me but it's out there it's clearly for some people because they're selling out you know clubs let them keep doing it but then there are certain comedians who leaned into the crowd work because it was working and now they've considered now they've become like crowd work comedians and to me, that's a bummer because I knew some of these comedians before they were full on crowd work comedians. And I thought they were brilliant. I thought they were awesome, brilliant comedians. Maybe they weren't getting the attention that they get now doing straight crowd work. However, I have a firm belief and I know this will throw a lot of people off, but I do not think you give the audience what they want. I disagree with that idea. Hmm. And there's a lot of people who don't and a lot of people who are mega successful who don't. And that's them. I don't think you give the audience what they want. I think you got to give the audience what you want as the promote as the performer. I give the audience what I want. I will never give them what they want. The one you, the moment you start giving them what they want, you are now you they are now dictating your career, and that is a surefire path 
to becoming something maybe you don't want to become versus I'm going to give you what I want. And what I want is to give you something great. And if I do that on my terms, I guarantee not only will I remain who I want to be as an artist, as a creator, but you will get what you really want as a fan, you know? So I, when I say I serve the fans, I'm serving them what I want to serve. Any great chef, musician, writer, actor has done this as well. You, you create on your terms and you give them something you think is awesome. If you give the audience what they want every time, you're going to end up serving them cheeseburgers over and over again because people just want comfort. People just want simplicity, nothing complicated. They just want to be made to be comforted. No one wants to be challenged. But once you give them this thing that they maybe weren't thinking about and maybe weren't out there seeking to get, but once you give it to them and they experience and realize how much they like it and love it, that's the whole journey, if you ask me, is opening people up to something new. No one is going to openly say, I want to be opened up to something new because that could be scary and weird and fail. But if you give it to them, aha, trust me, I guided you here. Now here we are. It's a success. So, yeah, being in a comedy audience in a, in a showroom with your mind wide open, I, I think that's the surefire way to experience what stand-up is really supposed to be, you know? That was beautifully put. A poetic uh, 10 minutes or yeah. so talking about the art of stand-up. Thank you for sharing Yeah, sorry. That. What a rant, yeah. Yeah, it was a glorious rant indeed. He is stand-up comedian Sean Patton. He is going to be here in Austin this weekend, headlining at Creek in the Cave on Friday and Saturday night. Two shows each night. I'm excited to check out one of the shows on Saturday. You can snag some tickets for one of those shows yourself by going to Sean's website, meshawnpatton.com. Of course, you can find clips of a stand-up comedy there as well if you want a taste of what to expect at Creek and the Cave Friday and or Saturday. Coming up, one more segment with Sean on the other side. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellis. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellie. Final segment with stand-up comedian Sean Patton. He's headlining here in Austin this weekend at Creek in the Cave. Two shows on Friday, two shows on Saturday. Go to his website, meshawnpatton.com, for info and to snag some tickets. Now, as we talked about last segment, Sean, you are a New Orleans guy and a fan of the Saints. It's a weird time for that franchise right now. What do you make of the Dennis Allen era in the Big Easy? Oh, it hurts. It hurts my soul. Wait, you said you grew up in Dallas? Yep. So you're a Cowboys fan. So weirdly enough, I'm an old school Houston Oilers fan. So now that they moved to Tennessee uh, more than 20 years ago, I'm a bit of an NFL bastard. So I pick a different team every year. Ah. Like This year I'm a Lions fan. They're a fun team to watch. But unfortunately, yeah. I don't have that team anymore in the professional ranks. Oh, yeah, man. I used to – well, it's you know what's super funny is – so okay, A, I don't know – I only bring up the Cowboys because I feel like Cowboys fans have been through this a, num- a numerous times, but and I feel like like Patriots fans are going through it now too, where it's like post successful era. I mean, they're, they're arguably Patriots fans are going through it probably worse than everyone because they're going through post the probably the biggest dynasty in football era, and now they just stink. And like you know, the Saints were never a dynasty during the Peyton era, but they were good. And the Breeze era, they that they were gonna. You know, I think of this, what was it? Sean Payton was a coach for 15 seasons and one season under suspension. So Breeze was around for 16 seasons. I, I think nine or 10 of those seasons were winning seasons. Yep. You know, and you can at least count on them to be 
efficient during that time. I mean, the Rob Ryan era, that was tough. When he was the defensive coordinator, that was a tough time. Because New Orleans loved that dude as a person. And he loved the city. He loved it out here. But his defensive schemes were... (laughs) Um, I don't know. It hurt, man. I mean, I remember that press conference. I remember Peyton. I remember first reading about it on NFL.com being like, Sean Payton is not committed to return. You're like, oh, no. Oh, no. And then he gave the press conference of like stepping down, personal reasons. Not going to lie to y'all. I might coach again one day. And you knew it. You knew it. It was like, oh, he's going to go somewhere else. Oh, you prick. And uh, (laughs) then, of course, what, one season later. um, At least it's not the Cowboys, though, or at least it's not a division foe. Well, that's the funny part is so in the, when I was a kid, the Saints were god awful. Yeah, that was, was that was the brown my, paper bag era for New Orleans when you were growing I mean, up. Yeah, I was I was a kid in the eighties and nineties. I mean, dude, you know what my first memory of the Saints is was the Ditka years. Oh, <laughs> oh, that was terrible. Ricky Ricky Williams I, wearing the wedding dress with uh, Ditka on dude, the cover of Sports oh, Illustrated, ESPN, the magazine. When they when they were selling the like Ricky Williams dreadlock. The braids, you could wear them. You had kids walking around wearing like the Dookie braids, man. It was oh. But I also rem- I remember like people. I remember being at a gas station with my uncle, getting gas. Uh, when the, and everyone was like listening to the draft on the radio, and when it was like the New Orleans Saints uh, select the uh, University of Texas running back Ricky Williams, Peaches strangers at this gas station cheering and high fiving. Because everyone bought into the hype that, yeah, let them trade away the next two years of draft picks. It doesn't matter. We just need one guy. Uh, you feel bad for Ricky Williams. But, yeah, the, that happened. And then the Hazlitt era, which was better oh. than – was better, but it still, you know, f- was falling apart constantly. And then, you know, Sean Payton comes around. All of a sudden, the Saints are a powerhouse in the South and the NFC South. And then the Super Bowl win. Good Lord, dude. Like, my dad and my little brother were at the Super Bowl. You know, my dad's a lifelong season ticket holder. So, like, why were you? So why see, were you not with them? I was, man. I was a broke comedian, still living in New York, and I just couldn't afford. I couldn't afford to go down, and I refused. And also, they only had two tickets because yeah. it was like a lottery. Um, but you know, what's funny is that Super Bowl on a Sunday, February seventh, two thousand and ten. <laughs> on February fifth, Friday, two thousand and ten, I did my first ever late night spot on Late Night with Jimmy Fallon, right? Oh, wow. First ever, and you know, network TV spot. It went super well, and that was immediately forgotten two days later when the Saints won the Super Bowl. So it was like, <laughs> by my family, by my friends, by everybody I knew down here, it was like, God, remember when I was on TV a week ago? They were like, oh, you mean when the Saints won our Super Bowl a week ago? And I was like, all right, you're right. That's more important. I get it. But, yeah, man, the Dennis Allen era, man, it's it's hard Cause you like the guy. He was a, he's yeah. a great defensive mind, but like, uh, you know, Derek Carr is clearly not the answer you wanted him to be, but he's not, uh, I don't, I don't, I know Jameis is like a, I, I, I still, I can't not see him in that Buccaneers uniform. I, I, and, that, and that, you remember that era when Jameis was starting when the Buccaneers had the stupidest looking uniform possible. Yep. Where yeah, I think okay. you, uh, he, I think he joined the thirty thirty club one of those years where he had thirty touchdowns and thirty interceptions in the same season. And isn't he the only member of the thirty thirty club? Yes, he is. You know what I mean? So it's like when he plays well, people immediately jump back on the Jameis train. But I'm like, no, he's not the guy. I, I wish him all the best, but I don't think he's the guy either. Right. And like, I also understand how difficult it is finding a quarterback in the NFL. But like, 
it just feels like, man, Michael Thomas is hurt again. You're like, how oh, that guy, I hate to say it, but I feel like it's time to let him walk. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a bummer because there were a couple of years where he was far and away the best wide receiver in the NFL, but injury issues caught up with him. He stayed healthier this year, but he just doesn't healthier. have that juice yeah. anymore. And you feel like, are we wasting the best year of, of Alvin Kamara's career? Yeah. Because that guy's a Jedi. That guy's a straight up excellent, amazing. When he, that game during the pandemic where he wore the, the shoes that he got fined for, where he scored, what, six touchdowns in a game, and you're just like, God, man, he is everything you want in a running back, and it feels like they are just not using him and not applying his talent properly. Or maybe he's low-key injured and they just don't want to ex- exacerbate it. you know. Um, and the defense, I mean, I love Tim Jordan so much. That guy is an ambassador of cool sh- He's so he's There is not a cooler defensive end out there. That guy is so awesome. And same thing with him. You feel like, oh, man. His last few years are just going to be this. All right, last thing now, Sean. I, I appreciate the extended time today. Course, I was excited man. to uh, to learn <laughs> FX just greenlit uh, something that you're not just in, but you're starring in. What's what's going on there? Oh uh, yeah, man. Thanks. It's a it's a show uh, created by a dude, uh, a guy named Brian Jordan Alvarez. He's a brilliantly hilarious uh, comedic actor. He's been in quite a few movies and on TV shows. It's kind of been like. His people have been waiting for him to have a star vehicle for a while, and this is his star vehicle. But he created the show. It's called The English Teacher. It's about, you know, so it's it's set in Austin. Uh, we're not filming in Austin, but it's set there. Mm. And um, it's uh, it basically follows his journey as like a an openly gay school teacher in basically a progressive city dealing with how woke is the wrong word, but dealing with the politics of that like overtly PC world where it's like, but wait, I'm an openly gay teacher, but he's still got to deal with PC crap, you know? And I play his uh, best friend. Who's the reformed bigoted uh, gym, gym coach, basically. Hmm. Who's like trying to be a better guy and is a, it is a good person, but just constantly slips up constantly. I was was about to say, so you get to say some of those fun lines that are going to get theoretically get a person canceled in 2023. Pretty much, pretty much, but they're all but they're all written by Brian, and the, the the writing staff is amazingly hilarious. Like some great comedians, and the Emmy Blotnick, who's a comedian mm-hmm. uh, I've been a fan of and a friend of for a while, she's on the writing staff. There's a bunch of other great writers on there. Langston Kerman, who is an amazingly hilarious f- comedian, he's also in the show. Um, it's it, I'm really like I'm 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 so excited about it. I've got to find a way to like keep myself <laughs> chill about it you know what i mean because you don't want to let your expectations get too high but you also want to celebrate and want to be like yes but then it also there's work to be done because now you know we got to go film it we got to do it right and acting acting is not easy you know it's a it's a delicate but it's awesome i love acting as well so like I'm, i'm looking forward to doing it big time i think we don't know anything about the production yet or when it's going to start quite yet but we filmed the pilot in atlanta so mm. I'm thinking, I'm thinking the whole production is going to be in Atlanta, which means I got to move to Atlanta. Now I adore Atlanta yeah. as a city. I think Atlanta is a fantastically dope ass, great, amazing city, but the Falcons can suck it. So <laughs> I'm going to be walking around Atlanta with a Saints, with a Pelican hat, with a Saints hat, with a Fleur de Lis shirt. But also I've been to Atlanta enough as a Saints fan. And I think Falcons fans have been in New Orleans enough to know 
the rivalry is friendly. It's very friendly. Yeah. It's not like the Cowboys and the, you know, Eagles where they're actively like, you know, launching projectiles at each other's heads, trying to cause physical injury. Saints fans and Falcons fans will talk smack, but we'll also hang out. Like, you know, we met, you, you said this before, we met when you came and saw me open for David Cross. Yep. In Austin. David Cross, diehard Atlanta Falcons fan. Yeah. So a lot of, there was a lot of car rides where him and I were just going at each other. You know what I mean? Like, but in a friendly, you know, fun way. So I'm looking, I'm, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it, man. I'm, I'm really excited about it and really looking forward to it. And, you know, I don't know exactly when it'll come out. I'm hoping, hoping by the end of next year, but yeah, it's going to be a great show. It's, it's one of those shows where just reading the, just the pilot episode, you're like, oh man, this is going to be a good one. And what? FX doesn't mess around when it comes to that sort of thing. They don't. They're not known for just putting up shows that suck just to see if they'll stick. They're no. pretty. They take their time and they do it right. So, getting picked up by them was amazing. It's amazing. It's awesome. Sean, we're out of time. Thank you so much for the time today, oh, man. Brother. This has been thank a, you. Yeah, thank a, a you. Real pleasure, uh, folks. Check them out at Creek in the Cave this Friday or Saturday. Two shows each night. I'm going to be at one of the Saturday shows. I can't wait to check it out. You just heard it all the level-headedness over the last hour or so. You get uh, a yeah. lot more of that uh, in Framed, uh, just as funny and then some. If you go see Sean this Thank weekend. You. Also check out his website, meshawnpatton.com. That's S-E-A-N. Sean, thank you so much for the time, man. Safe travels to and from Austin. Thank you, my friend. Happy Thanksgiving. All right, another show is in the books. We will be off tomorrow and Friday for the holiday, but back next week to hopefully celebrate the Texas Longhorns making it to the Big 12 championship game. In the meantime, thank you so much for tuning in today. Have yourselves a happy Thanksgiving, a great weekend, and hook them. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellis.